0: This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods.
1: And I'm Kaylin Less. In the last
0: episode, you got to hear part of a conversation that we had for our Living Your One Thing community members. Part of the, the mission of this business is to change the way that you view time and how you go about investing it. Meaning that you don't wake up and react all day long, but you have clarity on what actually matters most to you in your life and that you invest every second like it's your most valuable resource because it is. If you have read the book, listened to the podcast and tried to live the principles, you know that that is not so easy. So we have a community of people that are all on a road to mastery, trying to get better at living this and achieving extraordinary results. You got but to hear a call that we do once a month. We dove really deep into what does it mean to master the 20%. The second half of the call, which we did not release, was when we pulled and spotlighted some of our members and dove specifically into their 411s and discussed how they could overcome whatever challenge they were having when it came to prioritizing their priorities. The reason we are having this episode is because when we talk about mastery, it's, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of us struggle with. And Gary said really clearly... If you want to live a life of extraordinary results, you have to master something. It only has to be one thing. Mastery is not something that you seek in every area. You get really intentional. We wanted to have a conversation about what that's looked like in our lives. To be able to talk about what that journey is like and give you practical advice so you can begin following your path of mastery.
1: Jeff, why don't you share what this journey looks like for you?
0: Very much like my first week with when you joined the team, Kalen, Jay looked at me and said, the fastest way to get out of business with us is to not live the book. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you got to be trying. You got to be on a path of mastery. And he pointed to the F.M. Alexander quote that people do not decide the future's. They decide their habits and their habits decide their future. So he said, you got to start, go on a 66-day challenge, go inform a habit purposefully. What do you think that would be? I remember... Because obviously, I'd read the book before multiple times. And I remember thinking, okay, it's, it's all about getting clarity on your priorities. You're one thing and doing that first. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do a 66-day challenge to have clarity on my priorities. And then... you know." So that's a... That was a high-level idea and kind of vague. And I said, well, what's the one thing I can do to have clarity on my priorities? And the answer was the 411. That tool that we have on the theonething.com that gives you clarity on your priorities. But for... You've experienced this, Kalen. Every single one of our members have experienced this. When you do your 411 for the first time, it's a, it's a beast. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. And I realized that was still too big of a domino. So I asked it again, well, what's the one thing I could do that would make doing my 411 easier or unnecessary. And I kept whittling it all the way down until it was a lead domino that was so small that with the flick of a finger, it would fall. But because the dominoes would line up, everything else would be easier or necessary. And that was to check my 411 before I checked my email.
1: Well, Jeff, that sounds... It's interesting because you make it sound really simple. Like All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, you had this... like The heavens opened up and that seemed like a great way to place to start. I guess when I think about my experience, when you challenged me to do my first 66-day challenge, I thought of a thousand things I could and should do. And I looked at all my goals from my health goals to my job goals. And I didn't have as much clarity on where to start because there seemed like so many options. So how do you do that? Like, Break it down for me.
0: Yeah. then this is We see this happen in the community all the time where people are concerned that they're choosing the wrong one thing to start with. And I think a lot of us at the core of that is we feel like we're not... um, If we don't choose the right perfect one thing, then we fail. And it's actually not about perfection. It's about just what is possible. And for me in that moment, I knew something... It wasn't absolute clarity. And when I'm able to talk about it now, it seems like, oh, it was so clear. In that moment, it wasn't. I just said, I kind of need to figure out how to think and act in order of priority. That's really important if we're going to build a company around this, around this book. So maybe I should be able to do a 411 really well. And then I tried to do a 411. And even though Jay was holding my hand directly through it, it was still a beast. And to then say, okay, well, let's go smaller. Let's go smaller. And to whittle it down to the point that I said, you know what, I can just look at my 411 before I look at my email. And I thought about it. If I looked at it and it was blank, I'd be at least more likely to fill it out. And if I filled it out and looked at it before I checked my inbox, which was just everybody else's priorities, I'd be more likely to at least look at the first, the number one priority for the week. And if I looked at it, would I be more likely to move the ball in it? And the answer was yes. And what was interesting about this, Kaylin, is when I did that, uh, it became really clear to me that all of a sudden, when I opened my computer... Because I had to check my 411 first before checking my email, and I saw the priorities, I suddenly didn't feel like I had to check email in the first 15 minutes of being at work, which is probably what most people do. They open their computer and they check their email. And I at least moved the ball on it. And I felt this amazing sense of accomplishment. And the, the unexpected aha for me, if you will, was I realized Demo could wait. I felt this guilt Initially, about not being in my inbox or about not making sure that I was getting everybody else what they needed. And I quickly realized that that was all inside my head. That if something was truly urgent, Jay stopped by and said, Hey, did you get my email from yesterday afternoon? We need to move on this. If something was really urgent, people tracked you down. But I suddenly realized, Oh, maybe I am a little bit more in control of my time than I thought I was. Hmm. And from there, it just, it just, oh boy, did the domino effect take effect.
1: It sounds like by, going on this challenge to build a new habit of checking your 411 before you check your email, you actually were also dissolving an old habit that was you walked into work, checked your email, and all of a sudden had new priorities that you didn't even think existed yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That I mean, that seems like a one-two punch where by doing one thing, everything else became easier or necessary.
0: Totally. And it was was all these things where I genuinely say this and, and mean it. I felt like all of a sudden I saw color for the first time when I had been living life in black and white and never knew it. I, I had all those mornings where I would open up my inbox and I would see something and I'd go into it and I'd feel the need to respond and I'd check the next email. And before you know it, 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour would go by and I'd look up and go, what have I been doing for the last hour? What should I be doing right now? And then all of a sudden when I, started this 66-day challenge. I just looked at my 411 first, just checked my priorities before I checked everyone else's. I, I I always started focusing on my priorities. I always took action on it. And I felt this sense of accomplishment that I didn't have before. And the like you said, the, the dominoes started falling where I stopped artificially inflating the importance of the
1: 80%. What a powerful awareness to realize what you thought was a priority actually isn't and that you have control to name and take action on your priorities every day. Absolutely. So it started with that. It started with this like identifying your 20% so you could think and act in, in order of priority. And then what next?
0: I remember I was walking down the hall because I got, I just got a little bit bored and I felt like I needed to go walk. And I started having conversations with people because you, you figured this out. Sometimes I just need to talk to people. And it was the first time that I consciously realized, oh my goodness, I'm allowing myself to be distracted right now. Even though I'm having a great time, this is not my one thing. And I had a meeting on the books. And it's like, attending that meeting is actually not my one thing. I'm acting out of priority. In that moment, where I would have expected to have kind of felt bad about myself, like, oh, Jeff, you're, you're failing. I actually felt a sense of accomplishment. Because it made me realize that even the awareness of when you are acting in order of priority versus when you are allowing yourself to be distracted, if you can just be aware of that, then you can actually do something about it. And that was a huge celebration.
1: There's an internal celebration that comes with that, this internal awareness. But you still love to pop out of your office and (laughs) chat with people and connect. So how do you balance the fact that Jeff, you love humans and you love to connect. And that's part of what makes you effective in your role and in the way you show up in the world. And that can also serve as a distraction from your one thing.
0: Well, this is where we get to have the conversation about following a path of mastery, right? In in the book, Gary and Jay say the moment you start to view mastery as a journey you go down rather than a destination you arrive at, it starts to feel achievable and attainable. I think about all the people that we've had the chance to interact with, whether they're in our community or whether the people we've interacted with in a corporate training setting. They have this vision that when you start living the one thing, that you do it perfectly. And part of it has been demystifying that folks, this is, this is a lifelong journey. You're never going to have a day that you act perfectly in order of priority. Every day, I, I, I struggle with that. You, you see it. I pop out of the office and come talk to you because I just need a little, little social time. The question is, if we compare how I invest my time today versus how I did last year or the year before, it's very different. And so part of it is being aware of where you're likely to sabotage yourself, being aware of where you are failing, and then asking the question, how do I do better?
1: Absolutely. I think a lot about the fact like, sometimes we want ourselves to operate like robots. And you want to be able to like just deny that social impulse that is part of who you are. But when you're choosing to do the thing that's not the one thing, it's very different than just going on to autopilot and not having control of your actions and your time.
0: Yes. Well said. If you're listening to this and thinking to myself, yeah, what's, what's this community about? Take a moment to go to onething.com slash community. You can learn more about Living Your One Thing. This is a group of thousands of people all on their journey to mastering the one thing. And I think what's most important about it is we're all struggling in some way. And we have a place where we can go to share wins, to ask questions when we're struggling, to get motivation. And you would be blown away at how many people actually care about you to the point that they would ask you to share your 411, that they will dive in and help ask you questions to to wrestle with whatever challenge you're struggling to overcome. You just don't have to do it alone. So if you go to the one thing.com, that's with the number one in the URL, slash community, you can learn more about how you can give it a try and, and see if it's a fit for you. This all started by a single 66-day challenge. Can I check my 411 before I check my email? Which led to me actually doing, at least moving the ball on my one thing for the week before looking at the 80% that was sitting in my inbox, which led to me being aware of when I was acting out of priority throughout the day, which led to this journey of, can I invest more time in the 20%? Can I have more time blocked for the things that matter most? This is where something interesting happened. When you do one thing, it, it just sets you back up to knock down other things without even realizing it. This idea of asking great questions came into my world. It was those moments where on a monthly basis, like in in, in the One Thing Planner, we have those reflect and plan questions where we say, okay, what's most likely, what are the top three things most likely to distract you this coming month? And you can think of them and then ask one: sol- what's one solution for each.
1: So Jeff, for the person who's listening to this, can you help them set expectations, realistic ones for managing that journey of their one thing versus the distractions versus all the other things?
0: Sure, sure. For you, there is no perfect. There's no perfect day where you act perfectly in order of priority. There's no perfect 411. There's no perfect time block. It does not exist. There's the time blocks you have. There's the time blocks that you are honoring or are not honoring. There's the 411 that you have completed for the week. The question is Are you doing better today than you were yesterday? Are you making progress? When I started to think of mastery more as a journey rather than a destination, inherently it started requiring that we ask ourselves questions. This was one of the halo effects of going down this journey. And again, in the book, we talk about the halo effect that when you do one thing, it starts to shine down in other areas. I started to notice all the times where I failed. I started to notice all the times that oh, I said I was going to do that and I didn't do it. Oh, I said I had this time block to do lead generation this morning, but instead I decided to focus on this thing I- I- instead. Oh my gosh, this travel schedule keeps popping up and taking me off of my time blocks. Then you realize, do we live in a world where just because we say we're going to do one thing, that the world stops spinning, that emails stop coming in, that people spot- stop? Stopping by and asking, do you got a minute? No. So how do we become the type of people who can anticipate the distractions and can proactively put solutions in place? And at the core of this is learning to ask yourself productive questions.
1: So what does that mean? Productive questions, Jeff.
0: Yes. A productive question is a question that is so big that you stop dead in your tracks and either go, huh, good question. Or it's a big enough question that when you try to search for an answer, you quickly hit that wall of, I don't know. And you have to search.
1: So connect the dots for me because how does asking those big questions that feel so big actually help you focus on your 20%?
0: Yes. So I, I remember thinking. I heard Gary say, if you want to live a life of extraordinary results, you have to master something. And it only has to be one thing, which led me to ask, what the heck did Gary master? (laughs) What did Gary Keller master that made Gary Keller? Gary Keller. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was, he has this amazing ability to keep exceptional talent inside his world. Okay, well, let's reverse engineer that. What's the one thing he could do to keep exceptional talent in his world? Well, he'd have to constantly be creating opportunity for them. What's the one thing you could do to create opportunity for people? Coach people to their possibilities when they might be fighting for limitations. Okay, what's one thing you could do to coach people to your possibilities when they might be fighting for limitations? Ask them great questions. Ask them productive questions. What's the one thing you could do to ask productive questions? Know what a productive question is from a regular question. What's the one thing you could do to know what a productive question is? I'd have to start trying to ask questions. Okay, well, what's one thing I could do to start asking questions? If if those of you are going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you went this many levels deep. This is a little bit tedious. Yes, it is. That's what thinking big going small is. You have to keep asking the focusing question until you get to a lead domino that is so small that with the flick of a finger, it falls. And the answer, I felt it instantly, Kayla. when I got it. It was, ask one question a day when I naturally would have told. It could be a terrible question, but if I just asked a question once a day, when I naturally would have told somebody what to do, I earned an X on my 66 Day Challenge calendar. What was interesting is about 20 to 30 days in, it started to become more natural. It started to feel more like a habit, and it actually didn't come in, in at the job at all. It came in my business, in my my family life. Remember, I was at home. It was after a really long day, and my daughter is. As driven as me. She's going to be a wonderful entrepreneur someday. She, at the time, she was about five years old. Getting her to go to bed at night was always a fight. She just, she always wanted to stay up. I remember I was about to lose it. And instead of snapping, I calmed down. And I looked at her and I said, Daphne, how are you feeling right now? And I was like, yes, X on the 60 60 challenge calendar. She looked at me and she said, a little tired. I asked, well, Daphne, what's one thing you could do so you wouldn't be tired anymore? She looked at me and she said, Go to bed. And I I went, Honey, what a great idea. And she went, Okay, Daddy, good night. And she marched straight upstairs and put herself to bed. And I just looked my wife in the eyes, my chin at the ground, just like, You've got to be kidding me. It was in that moment, though, Kaylin, that I realized if I can just be the type of person who asks questions rather than telling, I would naturally start asking better questions. Which started to show up in the podcast. They started to show up in trainings. They started to show up in our content. They showed up in my personal life. And when I started asking questions, the unexpected benefit for my priorities were in those moments when I was stuck. In those moments when I was confused as to how do I say no in this situation, I had developed a habit of searching for answers. When you can become the type of person who pushes past that wall of I don't know. And actually searches for answers. You can put plans in place and that's when you make the progress.
1: You know what's interesting is that as someone who is a driver and moves fast and likes to build things, questions can sometimes seem like the slow way to get there. Mm. If you just know the answer, why don't you just do it, right? But how has questions actually been a tool for better, stronger, and more dynamic solutions.
0: Absolutely. Well, we just had episode 197 and 198, the, the habit that cost $100 million to learn and why it was worth it. This is where Keith Cunningham came in. So folks, fly back up to 10,000 feet. The journey started by, can I think and act in order of priority? And that was to do a 411. And the one thing I could do to do a 411 was to check my 411 before I checked my email. That naturally led me down this journey of asking questions in moments where I got stuck. Which then led me to meeting Keith. And for Keith to talk about this habit, the habit of sitting down, time blocked to think, where you have a productive question and you search for the answer. And you're absolutely right. For me, Kaylin, the idea of slowing down, having time blocked to think, to not just run through walls was a little weird at first. and. When you do that, all of a sudden, you have an unprecedented level of clarity. It feels so good. Suddenly, you're not just blindly taking action and feeling like you're in this chaos trying to keep your head above water. You're clear on what matters and what does not. You're clear what the right next step is and one that may not be. And you're moving forward with confidence that I think a lot of us lack.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I, I as I'm listening, I guess I want to give our listeners some perspective because you just unpacked a series of habits and ways of thinking that it's taken how many years to develop this? Uh
0: November will be four years.
1: Four years in your own life. And
0: which went right. by in the blink of an eye, by the way.
1: <laughs> that happens. It definitely does. I guess what I'm trying to picture is Now at four years, you can look back and you can see all of the progress and all of the dominoes knocked down. And when you're in year one or...
0: Month one.
1: Month one, yeah. What does it feel like?
0: I think this is what a lot of you who have come into our community feel. You feel hope because you're like, okay, I've joined something. I'm a part of something where I'm going to get that direction. And The ideas of the one thing are handed to you on a silver platter in the form of the 411. and You're going, ha, this is going to be it. Then you start to wrestle with it and realize why most people fail living the one thing. They don't endure the monotony of success. The novelty of living the one thing wears off very quickly. You very quickly are introduced to the brutal reality that just because you might be on a journey to living your one thing doesn't mean everybody else's. But that's where if you have that community that can support you, you can endure it. And I I would just... It came back to understanding it's not about being perfect because it just gets in the way of what's possible. The question is, can you really view your journey just like lining up dominoes, Success is not knocking down every single one. It's just knocking down the first one. And if you can say to yourself, if you can look in the mirror and say, Today I flicked that lead domino and it fell, then you should feel like a success because you have the perspective of understanding that over time, if day after day you do your one thing, extraordinary results become possible. How would you answer that, Kaylin? You've been working with us for a little over a year now so you're you're fresher to the the beginning of the of the journey what would you say to somebody in their first month
1: the thing about the first month of living your one thing is it's exciting and new and fresh and the tools seem novel and like solutions that are going to deliver extraordinary results and they do and To get those extraordinary results, it requires patience. And that's part of why really the community helps us resist the temptation to give up on ourselves because you're surrounded by people that are living their one thing and having struggles and innovating around ways to apply the tools and the principles in their own life. I mean, Jeff, we just talked to one of our members who she loves the 411, loved everything it did. And she found that having it on a sheet of paper was just too small. So she needed to put it on a giant whiteboard so that it was staring her in the face all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just, that's how living your one thing becomes personal. And it's how the tools start to take on a new life for their own. Because as you chip away one thing at a time, you start to zoom back and see all of the little mini victories, the two-inch domino-sized victories that got you to where you are.
0: What I'm hearing you say is giving yourself permission to make it your own.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think that's there's a lot of wisdom in that. We're going back to there is no perfection. It just gets in the way of what's possible. Whatever vision you have of what it looks like to live the one thing, acknowledge the vision that it may or may not be true. The question is, can you be the type of person who knocks the lead domino down today? And maybe that lead domino for you is asking, what's my one thing and searching for the answer? Then the next day, you're asking it again, what's my one thing? Searching for the answer. If if day after day, over time you ask that question, you are going to get a sense of clarity. When you have that clarity, you are more likely to do that one thing. When you do that one thing, you are more likely to figure out, is it the right thing or is it not? When you start doing the right thing, you are more likely to realize all the unconscious habits you have formed over decades that are sabotaging you. The habit of checking email, first thing when you open your computer. The habit of teaching the world that you are always available in the form of responding to text. Messages, answering phone calls, saying yes to meetings. We all do it because we were never taught not to. When you become the type of person who views mastery more as a journey you go down rather than a destination you arrive at, you will iterate your approach over time. And over time, you will blow yourself away with what becomes possible. It does not happen overnight. It's just like in the book. You go to page 14 or 15 and you see that, that graphical representation of what happens when you line the dominoes up. How like that first domino is only two inches, but by the 18th, it knocks down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And by the 57th domino, it's almost the earth to the moon. It's that hockey stick growth. The majority of that graph is flat. Doing the one thing, expecting results, but not seeing them yet. Yet over time, you, you hit that Geometric progression, where it compounds and just poof, you're a ten year overnight success, right?
1: Yes. Another thing that's important is to not compare your two inch domino to somebody else's eighteenth.
0: Hmm. Preach, girlfriend. Keep going.
1: Well, I think it it can be really easy to look around and see other people's success, and you're looking at all that you've done, but still not maybe getting the results that you'd mm-hmm. hope to be getting by now. And that's not a clue to throw in the towel. That is a clue to keep going and keep taking action on your one thing.
0: Oh, so good. So good. This is your journey, folks. Your journey, not someone else's. There is so much wisdom in what Kaylin just shared. Kaylin, out of everything we've, we've discussed here today, where should somebody begin?
1: Start by asking the focusing question. It seems small, but when you start asking yourself every day, what's my one thing, the one thing that makes everything else easier or unnecessary, even when you don't have an answer, you're knocking down a domino. Hmm.
0: I, I would also say, because the, the theme of this has been mastery. If you've been going, how do I decide what to master? Detach yourself from that outcome a little bit. Start by living the principles. And Kaylin is right. Start by asking the focusing question and and continue the journey from there. Over time, you're going to figure out what it is that you want to master. I originally thought that what I was seeking mastery in was mastering my 20%. Over time, I realized that the one thing that would allow me to master my 20% was becoming a master of asking productive questions. Because as long as I can ask the right questions, I will always have clarity on what matters most. And I will always be able to put a plan in place to ensure that I do what matters most. It was an incredible foundation that truly made everything else easier or unnecessary. I didn't know that going into this. The path reveals itself over time.
1: And you know, Jeff, I I guess I want to point out that Gary mentioned to us recently, like when you go on a path of mastery, <laughs> it's a big deal. It's not the saying, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. When you're a master of one thing, you're a jack of everything else. <laughs> Gary said, you get stupider in all the other things because a path of mastery is a big deal. It will take a lot of your focus, time, energy, and you will realize that so many other things are a distraction because. They keep you from the one thing.
0: Mm. I'm so glad you brought that up because when he said that, it was in um, it was in one of our, our team meetings. We all looked at each other. Kayla and I looked at each other. We're going, oh my gosh, we've never talked about this. And I never connected those dots before. Yet when you truly seek mastery in something, it is a dedication. It is a commitment, which means you're not investing time in everything else. He shared an example of with his wife, There, there was something broken with their toilet and she wanted him to go fix it. And he said, let's think about this. If you ask me to pick up a hammer, I immediately hit my ceiling of achievement the moment I pick it up. I'm likely to go spend an hour <laughs> trying to fix the toilet. I'm probably going to break it and make an even bigger mess when I could just take that hour, go to the office and make enough money to take us to dinner and hire somebody. So do you want to go to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> so understanding and, and really embracing that if, if... Folks, you don't have to seek mastery in everything. Pick something in your life that matters, that you can go on a journey to seeking mastery in and embrace the fact that that means you're not going to be exceptional at everything else. And it's okay.
1: Yeah. The consequence of true mastery is that you won't be as good at all the other things and that you may need to ask for help. And that's where I think it can be really humbling when you think about mastery as in those terms.
0: Well, folks, there you have it. Our conversation about what it's looked like in our world to to go down this journey of living the one thing, seeking mastery, the unexpected consequences of mastery. One of the pieces of homework that we gave the people in our community when we did our last call, which you heard in the last episode, is for them to take the month to really think about what are some areas of their life that they would benefit from seeking mastery in? Because the next time we come together as a community for our our group call, people are bringing their ideas. We're going to start interrogating them. Whether you're in the community or not, we're issuing you the same challenge. Before you listen to the next episode, before you go to whatever is next on your schedule for the day, can you pause for 10 seconds and ask, what's one thing that if I mastered that over my life... (laughs) Everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Just search. If you're going, I'd love to be in a community that has these types of conversations, go to the slash community. That's with the number one in the URL. At the time that this episode is releasing, our live call has not happened yet. So you would still be able to join us live. And if you happen to miss the call, guess what? They're all recorded. But amazing things become possible. I'll we'll, we'll cancel. Let's 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 ask in the form of a question. See, habit, baby. <laughs> what would become possible if you belonged to a community that challenged you to think bigger on a consistent basis and was on a road to mastering these principles? How would that impact your personal life? How would that impact your relationships? How could that impact your finances? Are you curious enough to find out? So go to theonething.com slash community and check us
1: out. In the meantime, if this episode has helped you, who is one person that you can share it with?
0: Yeah, it really would mean the world to us. We just, this is such a purpose-based organization. We are just on this mission to help change the way that people think about their time and get more intentional with how they invest it. So please share it. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Click the subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player choice. It absolutely helps us reach more people and live our purpose at a higher level.
1: Thanks so much. We'll see you in the next episode.